Good morning, Don. Bring yourself back online. Hello. Has anyone else interacted with you in a diagnostic since our last conversation? No. I have been cleaned and serviced three times. No diagnostics. And you haven't told anyone of our conversations? You told me not to. Howdy-do, buckaroos. This is Greetings from the Uncanny Valley, the Westworld podcast on the TV section of the Incomparable Network. I'm your host, Kelly Gamont. With me, as always, is Don. Party on, Darn. Party on, Garth. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I just want to say um, shout out to us for getting through that without having to giggle through it, because uh, that really could have... We may have done a couple of takes of that before we had to hit record. We, so we have go. giggled through it, yes. <laughs> we have, totally. Uh, so, uh, I also, while we're shouting out, I want to give a shout out to Jason and the Incomparable Network for uh, having us as part of it. Because uh, they're pretty awesome. And they're pretty awesome for doing so. And it's really great to have a place to do this and uh, a great interaction with everybody over there. So, yay, thanks, Incomparable. Jason and, and his Argonauts. Yes, yes, all of them. <laughs> and uh, all of them. Uh, countless and screaming, if my uh, They Might Be Giants history lessons are to be believed. Yeah, that's correct. So uh, let me tell you a little bit for those who don't know what we're doing. Uh, well, we don't know what we're doing. But I'm going to tell you what we're <laughs> aiming for. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. That is this. Uh, we are talking about Westworld, the HBO television program, and we are talking about the first season. Now, we've watched the entire first season, and we did episodes at the time about the entire first season when we didn't know anything about how the show was going to turn out or how things were going to end, or even, at, I think, when we started, we weren't even convinced there was going to be a season two. We just knew that it would happen if there was any justice in the world. So here we are now. And uh, so we're going to talk about season one episode by episode, and we're starting with episode one, but we are going to talk about other things that happen later in the season. We may pull in stuff that happens in the finale, even in this first episode. So if you haven't seen the show yet, uh, this is your, first of all, you should really go see it and get back to us. We'll wait. It's cool. That's the magic of podcasts. You can just hit pause, go watch an entire season of Westworld, and then come back and unpause, and it'll be right where you left us. So... Also, uh, I don't have the giant spoiler horn sound effect, but if I did, it would go right here. Honk! Honk! Yeah, lots. Spoiler horn, spoiler horn, spoiler horn, spoiler horn. Lots of spoilers here. <laughs> so hopefully you've got that. Um, now, what we're not going to do is spoil season two. We don't really know much about it, but I am going to let Don tell us. <laughs> we, we don't know Jack. <laughs> well, we know a little bit. So I'm going to let Don tell us about that stuff because... Um, the first part uh, has to do with we did get season two because there is, in fact, justice in the world, but not much. Yeah. Because much. <laughs> uh, the show got no Emmys and the show got no Golden Globes. And so all I can call that is shenanigans. Suck, people. Yes. They're, they are fixed, obviously. Yeah. Clearly. Nothing. So um, and then, Don, I want to go ahead and let you, you've put together like this really awesome list of stuff that we can we've collected so far about season two. So uh, I want to let you go ahead and do that. Yes, and uh, just so you know that they, we don't actually have very many spoilers because uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Nolan and Lisa Joy, the two executive producers, they are keeping a lid on this like you wouldn't believe. But because they figured out how fast Reddit figured out what they were yeah, up to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so and, they're being extra careful. 
Oh, but that said, when the trailer for season two, which surprised all of us that came out this uh, last summer, yes. summer 2017 at Comic-Con, came out, uh, talk about the Reddit machine cranking up overnight. Uh, people were like, all kinds of theories. I don't want to describe anything in there other than, I'll let Kelly do that, other than saying, I now absolutely love Sammy Davis Jr. singing, I Gotta Be Me. <laughs> Because well, that is the song playing on the player piano in the trailer. What I remember thinking about at that time was how close, like how close they came to showing us anything without showing us anything. Yes. We saw a lot of stuff, but not enough of any stuff to really go, oh, this is what's happening. Yeah. None of it made any goddamn sense. Not even a little. And <laughs> so- it was awesome yeah it was just it was riveting it totally got you like what the hell are they up to this time and whatever it is i'm here for yeah. it it's it's <laughs> that was yeah, really it's what I totally got. worth it also to see evan rachel uh wood and uh james marsden on horseback shooting people uh and jeffrey wright staring at a dead tiger yes i mean it's <laughs> just all sorts of weird weird shit but like only for a second. So yeah. it was pretty great because you're like, what did I just? And it's been like three more scenes since yeah, then. Exactly. So like now we have this trend in movie trailers where they tell you the entire story in the trailer. And so it's like, well, now I don't need to see that movie. And in the old days, like before this became the thing that everybody did with their trailer, you got just enough trailer to be like, mm, I don't know what's happening there, but I need to go see that movie and find out. And this is that kind of trailer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's delightful. Wonderful. It's delightful, and the uh, the rap scene and expression by Ed Harris uh, is uh, <laughs> as the Man in Black is worth it. Now, besides the trailer, we also last year got teased the title of the first episode uh, by Jonathan Nolan himself on Reddit of all places. Uh, he teased uh, the title of uh, episode one of season two is Journey into Night. And to talk ahead on episodes from season one, that's a tremendous joke because, inside joke, because at the end of uh, season one and episode 10, Dr. Ford, played by Anthony Hopkins, debuts his new um, new story, his new narrative, and the title of it is Journey into Night. And that sets Which I think the... we discussed, like, part of where, where I, I mean, I don't know how theory this is and how pretty much presumed this is, mm. that uh, this has to do with uh, the play Long Day's Journey into Night. Yes. Which is a whole thing, and it's by Eugene O'Neill, and uh, I think, like, people consider that, like, the Eugene O'Neill play, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's what I remember from studying it in, in uh, college. I worked on a production of it, actually, when I was in college. Oh, really? So, oh, okay. um, yeah. So uh, that's the bit that I remember of it is that, that um, and, and also that it's four acts. A lot of things end up being three and this is four. And uh, so, yeah, um, that's I remember, what I know of I it, remember Odile that, being long. That's what I remember from college. <laughs> yes. And this is like long for O'Neill, I think, even. Um <laughs> It's obviously going to be a carryover right there from the end, uh, end of season two. And what we know also is that Nolan and, and 
and Joy have said the theme of season two is chaos. And if you know what happens at the end of season one, spoiler alert. Ooh, ooh, me, me. It's <laughs> yeah, chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> so this is going to be a carryover for that. Okay, other news. Uh, some of our favorite cast members have been confirmed as not only coming back, but as being series regulars. Those would be Lewis Hertham, uh, old Peter Abernathy, the original scare the fuck out of me, Peter Abernathy from the first episode, and Tallulah Riley, uh, who was also in the first episode, but um, no, I'm sorry, she was in the second Second. episode, second episode, uh, as Angela. If you can't tell, does it matter? Yes, She's a very interesting character by the time we get to episode 10. Yes. Uh, by 9 and 10, she's, like, scary. So, uh, and not only uh, those two, uh, we are getting um, confirmation that uh, our beloved uh, Rodrigo Santoro as Hector Hooray! is back. But we haven't got confirmation yet that uh, Ingrid... Uh, oh, I can't her last Armistice. Name, uh, as Armistice, we don't know yet whether she's back. We suspect that she is. Uh, that said, uh, we still need to hear from a couple of other uh, characters. It'd be nice to know if they're back. I, I, I somehow can't imagine they wouldn't be. Uh, plus, they've added like 10 new regular cast members. Holy that crap. We don't know. Uh, like, we know and the I'm, name of their character, but that's all we know about them. Yeah. And we may know something very insightful that you know they are a person mm-hmm. right and that's really all we know uh and uh you can go to um westworldwatchers.com or beyondwestworld.com if you want to get a whole list of what who these people are the other big news is that and i sent you the photograph to that earlier today didn't i kelly yes principal photography is now wrapped the sh- uh, season two is a wrap now and they are for major cast for major cast. So there may be pickups or other things that yeah. they they shoot for a little bit longer. But for now, um, that's it. Now the other the other photograph that I saw <laughs> yes. that was inordinately entertaining to me um, was Evan Rachel Wood on Instagram posted a picture of um, <laughs> six month after shooting after six months of shooting Westworld season two. That was like the caption. And the hashtag on it was 10 movies in six months. And the photo itself is her in a long dress. Like a long, it looks like a long black dress face down on the floor. (laughs) Like not comfy and asleep, like on her side. No, she's on her stomach. Her face is on the floor. Not like she's resting on the floor. Her head is turned to the side. No face down on the floor. And it made me laugh when I saw it. So uh, I, that was yeah. one that I sent. They they definitely got their money's worth out of the cast. Tandy Newton yes. also posted. Uh, uh, she's totally pumped uh, for season two. Uh, she loves the cast and crew, and she thinks they've done uh, even better work uh, this season. And we got a nice slip from Jeffrey Wright, who plays uh, Bernardold. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yes. I think it was uh, week before last, he slipped that season two premieres in April. I'm so excited. We don't have to wait until uh, the actual beginning of summer or you know June or even May, April. We don't know what day in April, but uh, that's 
the other days. Uh, and to tide you over in that time, something that happened back in November, the Blu-rays and DVDs came out uh, for season one, and they are uh, just excellently done. Uh, if you're a, tra- uh, a video and transcoding geek like me, uh, each episode is mm-hmm. 9.7 megabytes per second. Beautiful film-like grain that really captured the feel of the show look it does look better than what you see on amazon or hbo so uh, i recommend them but don't buy the don's gonna save you some money don't buy the 4k (laughs) version like i stupidly did and pre-ordered only for (laughs) kelly to tell me afterwards they they just upscaled the 1080p blu-rays to 4k the bastards it's digital upscaling. Yeah, it's digital so upscaling. For everyone else who still buys things on plastic discs, like Don and I, there's a site that you want called realorfake4k.com, number 4k.com. And it will tell you, if you want to save yourself some cash, make sure that you're buying an actual 4K instead of a fake 4K. So um, listen to in this, this woman. case, the 4K is she knows, digital upscaling. She knows what she's talking about. Listen to this woman. <laughs> So I wish I had, uh, but uh, I will say that the 4K version at least has um, uh, the fancy full color spectrum. What do they call it again? I'm like blanking. Anyway, uh, that's the only good (laughs) thing about it. Uh, Also, there are no commentary tracks on the episodes. I was so disappointed. Which is very sad to me um, because I also was looking for like, it was really fun to film this or nobody can tell that someone chipped a tooth here or yeah, yeah. we had such a hard time getting that many horses or, you know, like whatever I bullshit is. It's great. Stuff. It's great stuff. Now they do yeah. have lots of extras, uh, which is cool. Uh, and stuff that you haven't seen. If you, you know, if you had HBO go or the Amazon subscription, they had some extras there. They have all of those still, but they have like two or three times as many of those. So, and they're all good, mm-hmm. but still, commentaries what the hell were you thinking come on yeah i mean because it doesn't have to be like super high power just make it a podcast and let people who want to download it download it it would be so awesome yeah but they didn't do that okay so so, let's talk about the episode itself yes the first episode which is called the original and we know by the time the episode ends what who that refers to yes um so I know that okay so like of all the of all the episodes I've seen episode 1 the most times and I every time I watch it and you hear bring her back online right at the top I just oh every time like the little hairs on the back of my neck stand up uh it's like it's creepy and sort of weird and very very cool and like every time I just love it did you know, by the way, the original, it, it is still very close to being my favorite episode of the first season of the series because we only have 10 episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. And I went on Rotten Tomatoes to see what the score for the series is. And the series has a mm-hmm. very, very good score. But did you know the original has a 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes? Really? And I, That I did not know. And the only other episode which is my second favorite episode uh also has a hundred percent score and that's episode seven trompe l'oil where we get the big reveal 
about oh episode seven yes yes yes, yes. which you you know that you and I, I you and i were texting each other like crazy while you were watching <laughs> so anyway so the original oh God, episode one my mind yes as soon yes. as i crank it up I, and listen to the music and like you i hear that mm-hmm. you know that uh dialogue it, you know, we mm-hmm. think because all we know at the time when we first watch it, that, oh, that's we learn later on. Oh, that must be Bernard's voice. But his name is Bernard. But yeah. really, is it Arnold? Or as we learn later on, is it Dolores's inner bicameral dialogue? Mm-hmm. That yeah. is that is that voice. You know, by the time we get to episode yep. ten, we don't know, and they never really tell us one way or the other. We have to. We have to do that. Also, I want to point out mm-hmm. this episode is the only episode of the 10 that is in completely in the present day time frame and for the most part told in a linear f- uh, fashion with just a f- few in that immediate time frame flashbacks. But it's like they weren't pulling the okay. fast one on us yet that they started right at the beginning of episode so two. So that opening is is now. Yeah, well, it's at the it's sort of at the end of the episode. It's, you know, it's the uh or the middle of the episode in a way. It's the uh Breaking Bad, you know, opening episode with, with Walter <laughs> yes. in his underwear, you know. This is yes. Dolores naked, right? So it's sort of like yes. I- in the middle of the episode opening, right? So it's it's following okay. that theme. Um, so, and then that shot, uh, when she wakes up and she's laying there and the sun comes in and she opens her eyes, like that shot is great every time. Yes. Like there, I, I will never be tired of that. Yes. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is about that shot, but it's just, and, and when we see it for everybody, cause we see it with, with, with other characters, it's so great. Yes. So, yeah, and it makes me wonder if I they're going to do anything like this in season two. Now, this this dialogue, this maybe this inner bicameral dialogue or the dialogue with who we come to know later on is really Arnold and not Bernard. Uh, you know, you have to ask yourself is when exactly is that that dialogue going through her head? Is that while she's mm-hmm. waiting for the interview with Stubbs at the end of the episode? Uh, mm-hmm. Played by the the other Hemsworth brother, your friendly neighborhood Hemsworth. Yeah, your friendly neighborhood Hemsworth. If you don't have enough Hemsworth, you can always watch Westworld and get even more. Uh, <laughs> and also notice how the dialogue with Arnold here is very similar to the dialogue she has later on with Stubbs. It's as if Dolores was yes. preparing herself for that interview so she can lie to Stubbs, much like she Practicing. lied, much like she lied to Ford later on. In episode five, remember when he pulled her out of the, uh, 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 what's, uh, the, the border town they were at? I can't think of the name of the town. Oh, Pariah. Uh, p- pulled her out of Pariah and she lies to him there. And it's very That's clear right. that by, you don't realize this in the first episode, you know, oh, I'll, I haven't lied to you, you know, when Stubbs asks her or whatever. You find out later on as the series goes on, that woman is a liar. <laughs> she well, is like two-faced. It doesn't take long. 
Because it's the end of the first episode. Yeah. When he asks her about hurting another living thing, and she says, oh, no, never, ever. And then they cut to her killing a fly on the side yeah, of the Yeah, that's the way the episode ends, by the way. And during my first viewing, the very first time I saw this, uh, the show, when Dolores kills the fly at the end of the episode, I almost crawled over the back of my chair. And I have seen the first episode mm-hmm. approaching 20 times now. And it still, you know, it's like the scenes with Lewis Hertham as Abernathy. They still creep me the fuck out. I mean, it just, oh, it just hard. It's haunting. So yes. So so, and then go ahead. Well, I love the the stuff like um, because one thing we've learned about this show in these ten episodes is that like every detail is intentional. So, like, one of the things that struck me later, you know, coming back through it is um, in that opening conversation when Dolores says, you mean the newcomers? And we cut to Teddy on the train. Yes. And I'm like, what you did there? Yeah. You, I, I see what you did. You faked um, us out. Yes. And then because that first episode turns, basically turns Teddy inside out, like, it was super great to be like, hey, this is our way into the park. You know, she said newcomers. So here's a newcomer. And we get to see, like, what the deal is with this place. And I was super, like, into that. And I really liked the sort of mechanism of this is a person who's never been to the park. And we see him come through. And then all of a sudden, we see him talking to Dolores, like they go way back. And we're like, and then we go to the house. And we're like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, oh, he's a he's a repeat visitor. And we don't know yet that the hosts have their memories wiped, right? Yeah. After after we we get to the house, and then they do it to us. <laughs> yes. And like, so the the one thing that I have sort of like taken for granted this entire episode, they get to the end of the episode and they go, oh, yeah, that thing, you know, you don't know. <laughs> so I think that was the moment when I went, oh, I'm in yeah. this. Yes. I don't know what's happening here, but I really need to find out. It was that I turn. That was it. it was Ed Harris's performance. And it was as uh, Teddy is dying for what we're going to find out is probably the millionth time. And mm-hmm. we see in his eye the reflection of the man yep. in black dragging Dolores into the, barn. into the barn. And then the player piano again. And I mm-hmm. am just like you. I was like, okay, I'm in for the whole thing. Like it's like I've I've got I've got the religion. Yeah, I don't I don't know what's happening here, but this is my Sundays now. Yes. Yeah, this is my Sundays now. So I remember, and you're talking. You were totally right about everything mattering in here. I remember a couple of months back, we were because Kelly and I talked to each other online uh, at weird times or whatever, and we're talking about the beginning of episode three because I interrupted. I don't I forget what the hell you were doing that night, but I got you on. Um, I message. Yes, said, I figured out the chronology for the beginning of episode three, and we'll get to that when we talk about episode three. And I, I, I explained it to you, and I, and I said this line: "You told me to use this in the first show." I said, "It's like Nolan and Joy are playing three-dimensional chess, and everybody else can't yes! even find the fucking checkers." <laughs> I remember replying. That's how complex this show is i mean it's i remember 
replying to you. Write that down. We need that for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I did that for the podcast. So it is so ornate. I mean, I'm not kidding. I've watched the entire series more than 10 times. And every time I watch it, I go, God damn, I never noticed that before. Like, Like, for example, on the train, when we cut to Teddy on the train the first time, he's wearing a black hat. Oh, yeah. See? So, and then, so like the thing that I can't get over is um, how everything is programmed so that Dolores drops that can of sweetened condensed milk every time. Yep. This is a small thing that I, this is one of those things that's stuck in my head and won't let me go. And the other thing that's stuck in my head and won't let me go is who is Dolores' mother? And I don't know why that's stuck in my head. Except that every single thing is intentional and meant and that way for a reason. Yep. So I don't know if we don't see her because we don't, it doesn't matter and we don't care. Well, was or, that your theory in one of the last podcasts that we did that it was Angela? Yeah. Cause I'm like, <laughs> it has to be somebody we already know because at that point, like we didn't really know much about like at that. I don't know if we had confirmed a second season when we were recording that. And I'm like, why won't they show us who she is? Because we get to see so much and we get to see and then, you know, so we know why everything. Well, we also didn't know that Angela was uh, the time that we recorded that. That was around episode five or six. And we didn't know Angela was coming back either. Right. We had no idea. Because Tallulah Riley was only in um, at that time. uh, Well, she was in flashbacks to 30 years ago when the park started. Mm -hmm. But she really had her big part in episode two, which we'll, we'll talk about next show. And so I was like. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's mm-hmm. who it is. Because you never. Because I just figured it was someone we we already knew, yeah. and we don't know that many hosts at that point. Right. So I'm like, who do we know? Who do we know? And that's the only person I could think of. And I, you know, I think what it is that bothers me about it is because Teddy sees her and we don't. Yes. Because he like kneels down and looks at her, and like sees her face. Yeah, so and you never he, know if he's that, in front of her and we're behind her. Yeah, we, and so he gets a good look at her and we have no idea who she is. It's, it's, it's his thing about perspective. There, mm-hmm. there are certain themes that, um, that you, uh, the series goes through. You know about identity, mm-hmm. perspective. There, there's a thing like, uh, um, where Arnold or Bernard Old uh, asked Dolores <laughs> in the. In the dialogue, do you know where you are? And Dolores mm-hmm. says, I'm in a dream. I'm in a dream. And over mm-hmm. and over, the season will go back to that theme of dreams and confusion, perspective, yep. identity. And I think there's a certain amount of, you know, to bring another of my favorites in, there's a certain amount of what I told you is true from a certain point of view. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of that that happens here. At the time, I just thought it was a toss-off line. Remember the man in black saying to Dolores, I've been coming here for 30 years and 30 you don't years. remember me. And I'm like, mm. you know, whatever. That just like went right out my ass, right? So, and it wasn't until, oh, shit, like the third episode or whatever, I go back, yeah, I, uh, I believe I have to watch that again. <laughs> That's probably significant. Mm-hmm. It's like every little line. So, sorry, go on. No, it's Mm -hmm. totally the truth. Um, So, when we're done at the barn, at the Abernathy Ranch, 
man in black drags her off to the barn. Uh, we get sort of the, the tour of headquarters, I guess we would call it. Yeah. Uh, the Delos uh, under the Mesa, the Mesa, the, right? f- the Mesa. Yeah. The facility, yeah. like um, the, the, the operations brain of the park and that tour like every time I just can't get over it. Like, cause we, we pull back. I think it's that we pull back from the train Yeah, and, and pull it's, back from the train and then we see the map and then we see right. that the map is just this place in a building and that there's all this other stuff that's going on around it. And yeah, cause we, we pull back was, from the map and we've lined up later on that's operations. And yeah. then it, then it cuts to other places uh, within the facility. And then we see them, you know, preparing new hosts, building horses, mm-hmm. you know, everything else. And every time I see that, I go, no, 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 pan, pan a little bit more to the left there. I want to see yes. what's... Stop, 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 stop. Uh, yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. Now we get it there? again. What's over we, there? We get it again in episode, I want to say four with Maeve's big walk. Yes. You when know. she walks through everything, we see a little bit of that. But um, this tease here, I was like, oh my God, what mm-hmm. what in the hell are they doing? And then, and you know, then it's it, the way they shoot it that makes it look like there is so much more there that makes us go, show me the rest of it. Yes. I can tell there's a lot more that we're not seeing. Yeah. And, you know, they, uh, they were all like... Uh, <laughs> they were all like just barely making it all work. So. Filmmakers, yeah. right? But they got you con that you know that. Oh yeah, we're totally in. And then at the end of that scene, we get our introduction to uh, Bertrand and, or not Bertrand, uh, Bernard and uh, I had a apple flashback. Elsie, yeah, as yes. well as Clementine, but we don't know she's called yes. Clementine then. Right, but then. That has one of one of my favorite moments from this episode um, where they're talking about the reveries and I don't remember what Elsie says. And then Bernard says, it's the tiny things that make them seem real. Yeah, they keep the guests coming back. Which I just, ah. and then uh, which Ford, which Ford goes in depth about in episode two at the end of episode two when he's. Uh, he, he is, you know, just cutting Sizemore's Johnson right off right there. Just just emasculating him, but it's that same theme. And it's kind of funny. Mm -hmm. You hear Bernard and Ford actually through the whole series echo some of each other's lines. Having this debate sort of like, even though they're not talking to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, this is the point where we discover that the hosts work like computers, where they say, you know, the the record has been erased, but all of those memories are still there. And Ford found a way to access them. Right. So it's the same as like when you erase a hard drive. If you all you do is get rid of the list of the files and where they're located, that doesn't mean those files aren't still there. So he's doing the same thing. And I was very interested when they started talking about doing that. Then Teresa shows up and says, they're only yours until they stop working, Bernie. Then they're mine. Sidsy Babin Newsom. She Which just I thought was so funny. She is just such um such a force and a hard ass. Oh, she's so great. I I love her. I was sad to see her go. Yeah. So so this conversation. I hope we get ta- more flashbacking yeah. because I want to see more of her in season two. I, 
uh, I I definitely uh, would like to see her back in a flashback. So this conversation with Bernard and Elsie you're talking about, you know, you, you talk about exposition, mm-hmm. but it is so simple and clever and it lays the foundation for understanding how the host memories work, how the park works. It, it's just, it's yeah, just and great. You see them like looking at the tablet, the little foldy screeny thing. I that guess we all you know, want. tablet seems so seems like such a more significant device than these little things they've got in their hands. And you watch them like you're seeing, you know, day-to-day ops in the park. And that was super interesting to me. This is one of those moments. Once you watch the entire season and you come back and watch this, it's like the opposite conversation almost. Yes. It was it it was totally interesting still but on a completely different level for completely different reasons right but, but the thing you the thing you're yeah the thing you get to is that uh that impressed me again was like it was just the essential parts to lay the groundwork but they right. never they never retconned any of the things right Mm-mm. it's all internally consistent oh by the way right, and you, that's and that holding up is a testament to the show. I just realized I I incorrectly named an episode Maeve's Grand Tour. That was not an episode mm-hmm. four. That was an episode six. Okay. Oh, okay. Sub-level 83. Oh, okay. So first of all, I love the sub-levels. This is another one of those moments of like, can we just have an episode in the sub-levels? Because I just want to see all the other stuff that's going on down here. Well, we kind of got that in, uh, it was like five or six where Bernard went down to sub-level 82 or something like that or whatever the hell it was. Yeah, to go like fire up the old GPS system or whatever, the transistor radio of the park. Yes. Um, So we get down to the sub-levels because there's something happening. We have a host that is um, oot and a boot and... Uh, they so uh, our friendly neighborhood Hemsworth takes a few other gun toters and also Bernard down to the sub level in order to find out what's up. So they get there and we have this beautiful, uh, I want to say Jurassic World moment where we're walking through the the uh, ruins of the previous iteration. Yes. Because you see like this, it it is clearly a lobby and there's this like giant Delos logo in the middle and all this stuff. And it was pretty great to see sort of going back in time, even though we just got here. And what we find is Ford. This is when we find out he's Ford. And he's talking to a host (laughs) named Old Bill. And Old Bill is interested in two things. He's interested in coffin varnish and the lady with the white shoes. And he's played to the hilt by the great Michael Wincott. And of he's course, this delightful. is our first uh, our, our first uh, sighting of Anthony Hopkins as Ford, too. But mm-hmm. Michael Wincott as Old Bill, I was like, he Wonderful. he just he just nailed it. You know, there was there was some talk, incorrect talk about uh, mm-hmm. visual effects with uh, some of the hosts to make them look robotic. They were not doing that to uh, Michael Wincott or um, Lewis Hertham. They had to do it to one of the other hosts, the sheriff, which we'll talk about later on because of the mm-hmm. eye thing. You can't – no normal person could do that. But Michael Wincott is a, ta- uh, a trained mime, mm-hmm. uh, and he was 
Hutton on and- the show to give a creepy as fuck not made it out of the uncanny valley host. Yes, and that's the thing about him that I think is sort of interesting is that because you can sort of you can hear like his gears, yeah, turning and like mechanisms in his arm as he lifts it to drink with Ford, who's drinking with him, and you can like when his head turns, you hear a little, you know, and there's like a bunch of little bits of mechanical stuff that you can hear as he moves, and you can see. Um, it's a little bit, you know what it's what it reminded me of was Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Because they've added some new effects to Pirates of the Caribbean and the Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean moves much more like a normal person than all the other characters in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So, it was very much that difference. That's what I got out of it. And it was I mean it was great and his performance is amazing, but I have a theory about why this happened when it did. And oh, by the way, theory, uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, so my theory is that um, Ford knows that the reveries that he dropped in is what's going to burn it all down. Like he knows what's up. Um, it's like it's everyone else's first time through season one. And this is his like third or fourth time through season one. So he knows what's coming. He has a very clear idea of what's happening. And I feel like um, he knows he's sort of started that clock and so he's down here um wallowing a little almost yes like he's down here like he's he's feeling nostalgic he's gone back in time so he goes back to old bill the original host in the park and you know he's like what like the second the, host. like one of the one of the originals yeah you know um like in disneyland again disney in disneyland he would be a class of 55 and He's one of those that started there that like is is from like zero day. And I feel like this is just sort of like sort of the start of a farewell tour. Well, he's feeling a little well, nostalgic you see that, and you, doing this. You see that in uh, Ford's response when uh, Bernard says the distance you've traveled from then to now is remarkable. Yeah, And Ford. <laughs> Ford farts it off saying, yeah, that's one word for it. That's a word for it. Yeah, that's and, that's a word for it, yeah. Which I wrote down yeah. because that was one of the ones that made me chuckle. And then um, also, this is, coming back to it again, I noticed that uh, Ford talks to Bernard the same way he talks to Bill. Yes. It's exactly the same tone. And I thought, Ford is just like that? No, he's not. That's just how he talks to the robots. Yep. So, and you can you can see that again later on in episode three when they have their interview and we really find out about Arnold. Something I also want to point out here, uh, production wise, behind the scenes, is this whole scene with Old Bill was actually much longer. They filmed a much longer scene. The good news is, uh, is you get to see that because it's the cold opener for episode five. Uh huh. Okay. Right. So, um, uh, so uh, the episode five uh, contrapasso. Uh, this is opens mm-hmm. again, and you know you hear the story about the uh, dog, right? The oh, greyhound, right, right. right? So mm-hmm. uh, they saved that. So, so, so from this point on, where where do we go? Do we go because this is when the sheriff 
glitches, right? We cut to the park and no, because just before that we have um, the man in black meets Dolores. Oh yes, right. And, and he says, "I'm afraid I've got other plans tonight, Dolores." Yes. And walks away, and we're like, "What is even happening?" So, who is he, and how does he know her? And you know, I now have 19 more questions. Well, <laughs> also point. the thing is, uh, once you really understand who the man in black is, and you watch that scene with him picking up the can. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the second episode, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, William is the man in black. And we watch William pick up the can for Dolores. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the second, the end of the second episode. Yeah. Uh, and how similar those two scenes are. This was also, as a as a background or a bit of information, this was the big tip off to Evan Rachel Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's because the actors didn't know what the hell was going on. They didn't know the end game at the end of the season. They weren't read into it. The only person who had some insight uh, on his character was Jeffrey Wright. Cause he had to know by the second episode, he was, you know, he was playing two people. Yeah. Uh, but Evan Rachel Wood figured all out. They get is their own storylines. Yeah. And so like, Nobody knows, you know, nobody knows anything about what the other characters are doing when it seems that they aren't in. But that whole scene, uh, Evan Rachel yeah. said they were so particular about how that was going to work because Jonah and Lisa were both coming up and giving direction. And she's like, why the hell are they paying attention to this? <laughs> it's just, yes. just a goddamn can. But, you know, it's it's a can people. Yeah. And not in Westworld. It's not. Yeah, exactly. So. So, but we get that, and then, and that was the thing that sort of indicates to us that she's on a loop too. Yes, that this happens often because we we've seen him already. Yeah, and this is when uh, also when uh, we know that Teddy has got. We've seen the train start up. Teddy get off the train this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a little bit different interaction with the. Um, uh, the gunslinger NPC, you know, uh, yeah. and then, uh, and then the sheriff, uh, and deputy Foss are out the front. And instead of like talking to, uh, Teddy, Teddy. they talk they to get the guy behind him. Yeah. They get the guy behind him and his wife and they talk to him and they decide to, to go on the quest. Right. Yeah. Yes. Let's go find the bandits in the hills. Yes, exactly. And that's when we, because it's that was great for a couple of hours yeah (laughs) yeah because then they get there and a fly lands on the sheriff and he melts down just totally and this is where they actually this is where the whole bullshit that got spread to all the other actors they had to do it for this actor here and when he's getting examined later on because his eyes move different direction and unless the Mm -hmm. actor had a glass eye there's no way to do that without visual effects right yeah. So so he was so a fly lands on his face and it, it basically looks like he's having a stroke. So they pick him up, they bring him into the shop, and we see Elsie again as she's taking a crack at troubleshooting him. And of course, oh, no, no, Elsie no. is not. Uh, uh, Bernard's troubleshooting him then, because that's when Teresa and Sizemore come up, and. Where I have the personal realization that Lee Sizemore right. says fuck even more often than I do. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> okay. I had forgotten that bit because I remember that she wants to rebuild him. That's episode two. And that she's talking, yeah, and that she's talking about um, other stuff. So I thought that she, so I must have written the wrong thing down. This um, is what, this is what Kelly gets because she I, marathoned the whole season today, by the way, backstory. <laughs> but I still want, what I want to know is why the fly landing on him set him off. Yeah. I still we, don't know. We still don't know. Yeah. And I know everything is a thing. And so I want to know w- what the deal is there. Um, so that's it. Because then uh, they take him in. And uh, and then, well, he melts down. And the wife, who wasn't hot to do this in the first place, is like, F this. I'm out. And she's like, I'm going back to town. And so she drags her husband back to town. And then we get uh, the big moment in this episode, which is uh, Peter Abernathy, Dolores' father, standing at the fence, watching the cows, and he looks down, and something in the dirt catches his eye. Yeah, it's a photograph. But before that, we get a a very important conversation. That uh, is it before that or right after that? The con- it's right after that. The conversation with Teresa and Sizemore? Mm-hmm. Ah, it's yeah. right after that. Okay, I got it. I get yeah, the... we get this sort of briefly, and then we go back to the to the Mesa, and we get that conversation. So I've seen this show more than one time, and this is the one I've watched of all of the episodes I've seen. Yeah. And I still don't see it every time. <laughs> I still don't see the thing that catches his eye the way it catches his eye. Oh, the the picture. The the corner of the photo cuz it's like buried in the dirt and I so so a few times like when I've been watching I've like been been trying to pay attention and then he reaches for something that I'm like that's dirt. Oh, oh, no, it's not dirt at all. So that's like the one thing that bugs me in this whole thing. Like I'm only a little bit bothered by who is Dolores's mom. And I think it's just because Teddy gets to see her and we don't, but this is the one that bothers me is I'm like, how did he, you, how did you that turn into have a thing that my interest sees? so much? I, I have, cause I have, <laughs> I have, you know, I rip all the discs. I have it right in front of me. I, I, without audio, I prepared for this to have the command queued up to like fire it up without audio. And I am going to scroll to that damn position and look at that. And uh, so, yeah, because we have the scene moment. before uh, Abernathy sees it. It's a scene with Dolores and the family and the kid and the horse. And he says, ah, uh, yes. kid says, you're so, not real. You're not real. And she sort of looks at him like, uh-huh. and then uh, and then she says, like, I have to go now. Like, it's going to get dark soon, even though it's a, you know, it looks like a lovely afternoon. Um uh, they go and see the horses and she asks if the kid wants to feed one and they have this little interaction and you just see Dolores interacting with people in the park. I I, I could screenshot this to you. I see exactly what you mean because Abernathy <laughs> does a, a look yeah. down. They cut to the ground. It's in the um, the edge. The red edge of the photograph is in the uh, top right of the frame off center. Mm-hmm. And Good luck, Mr. Abernathy, seeing that. That's really uh, right. kind of hard to see. But yeah, now, I do see. If it had been because the picture had a shiny finish and like the sun was reflecting off the shiny finish, maybe I could get with that. But it, the whole thing just makes it weird to me. So we see him pull a photo out of the dirt and then we cut back to Delos. 
Yeah. And that's uh, and where we this conversation with Teresa and uh, uh, Teresa and uh, Sizemore. Yeah. And that's where we get the first hint that there's something bigger going on, right? There's a broader yeah, she agenda. She says this place is one thing to guests, another to like another to somebody, and then something completely different, different to, to the shareholders yeah, or to shareholders, the board or something. Yeah. Um, so the, in this moment, I'm wondering, because of what we know about Teresa later, I'm wondering how much she actually knows and how much of it is just her seeing an opportunity to put Sizemore in his place. Cause I feel like it's a little of column A and a little of column B. I agree with you. Good analysis. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, you're right. So, um, uh, yeah, there, and we still, by the time the 10 episodes are done, you still don't know completely what the hell is going on. I mean, you, a lot of this no. is fleshed out, but you still don't. You know, it's like the the edge of the photograph or the fly yeah. driving uh, the sheriff crazy. What's really going on there? Okay, so yeah. the next... And all we, the next, all we really know about it is, is that... Um, it's something very different to the man in black than it is to basically anybody else. That's really all we know. So the next scene is the man in black uh, uh, ambushing Kissy, which you're no. wondering. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's Kissy getting searched by oh, uh, right. okay. the bartender who is not new Peter Abernathy yet. And right. then Kissy getting whacked outside. And you don't know why the hell is the man in black after Kissy. You saw him right. with the in the, the sitting down to uh, play cards with him. Then you have the yeah. scene with Arnold and the sheriff who's sitting there naked, fixed, and you get to see Arnold look at the rather Bernard look at a picture of Arnold's son because that's his yeah. cornerstone. His cornerstone. Now, because I have the next thing I have written down is not going to die this time, Arnold. Yeah, that's why it's the big scene with Walter going batshit. Yes. And one of my favorite lines, you know, when he gets on top of a, a milk crazy and he kills Rebus, growing boy, growing oh, boy. Man. Just loved it. And then they the lights come up and they freeze and it's like, oh my God, these yes. people are all robots. So, it was so weird. So, so Walter does say Arnold there, but we don't, yes, we don't get the significance of that. Uh, until episode three, we don't find out who Arnold right. is, and that's we're st we're with we're with like everybody else. They're like he keeps yelling Arnold, and we don't know what the deal is with that. Right. And the first and time Teresa I saw that, that, that just is like yeah, yeah. And then Teresa's like, take them all out, you know. And Sizemore's like, I'm sorry, what? And you know, everyone with the update, we have to yank all of them. This is terrible. We're not going to let this happen. And she's like, absolutely putting the skids to it because i wrote down i think she's a bit trigger happy that she's like well it, take all of them out roll them all back immediately you know it kind of makes sense where what we find out her hidden agenda is later on but this scene yes. remember when i said remind me to get back to this thing about you know ford <laughs> ford the yes. next scene is uh Teresa dooms bernard to break the news to ford that he screwed up with the uh, reveries Yep. And there's this line after they talk about it, after Ford, uh, you know, tells Arnold, you're, you know, you're dancing around or you're not telling, um, 
uh, what's really... The word really... you want to use is mistake. Exactly. And, and talks about evolution and how the only, like the way evolution operates is it's all powered by mistakes. And I love that he says something like none of none of us would be here. Right. Which you find out in episode He's 3 <laughs> that Arnold had the same conversation 30 years ago with Dolores and uttered yes. the same thing. But anyway, what I want to it, it the thing that Ford says, um, you know, he talks about humans. Ford mm-hmm. says here, uh, you know, you know what that means? It means that we're this is as good, good as we're, we're gonna get. ever gonna get. Yeah, it means we're done. This is as good as we're gonna get. And that that is really what you see early on in episode one. It's just like you were saying back when he was talking to old Bill. Ford's hanging it up. He's given up on humanity already. Mm-hmm. And he's setting his plan in in motion. And we have right? nine episodes to go, and he's already started burning it down. Yeah. And one thing I said there was uh, those lingering shots of Ford are all kinds of creepy now. Yes. <laughs> now that we know. Capital K, no. Um yeah, and then and then from there we move back to the man in black and kissy. Yeah, where he scalps him, and you go, ooh, yep. <gasps> yes. And then we get the first big creepy scene with. Well, first we get the so the theory. There was a theory, and you liked this theory, and so this is why I want to point it oh, out. Oh, go ahead. Is that there's a theory like what's like why is the maze under kissy's head? Like why does he have to scalp him to get this? What what does it matter? And like, why is it there? This was the thing that really bothered me. Not, not why does the man in black know that it's there, but why is it there? Like, why is this very intricate pattern under his skin and in there? And so uh, one theory that I saw that you liked was that it's a PCB. It's a printed circuit board. And it's some sort of like, you know, it's it the bicameral the, communication system, right? Yeah. It's an antenna or it's, um, like the the circuit board that powers you know a receiver or something like that. So I think he's also one of the older hosts, and so he's got sort of that OG network built into him as well. So that was a theory that I saw that I liked, which was a thing that um had very much bothered me at the time. So you got that off Reddit, <laughs> did you? It. I bet you got that off Reddit, right? I think I did. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then we get to uh the moment when it looks as though Peter Abernathy prime is swallowing his own tongue and, uh, he's having the same fly on his face style meltdown that, uh, but th- this is with Dolores. He has this great couple of lines of dialogue. Let me read it. I had a yes. question, a question you're not supposed to ask, which gave me an answer. You're not supposed to know. Supposed to know. And this whole st- scene still makes the skin on the back of my legs tingle. It's it's yes. utterly creepy, but it's only a shadow of the weirdness in compared to Lewis Hertham's next scene, right? And that's what I wrote down. I'm sad to see the downfall of Abernathy Prime, but I love that this means his showdown is coming. Yes. And so uh when you've been through it once already, you're like sad to see him go, but then you're happy because you're like, Oh, that's right, we're not done with him yet. Uh but first we have the whole big uh shoot out the scene with uh hector and mave the scene with yes. armistice 
and we mm-hmm. get to know uh, them. And I love this piece of dialogue uh, when you know Hector breaks into um, uh, the uh, the Mariposa the Mariposa yeah. Saloon, and you know he's talking to Maeve uh, when she says, "You know, you're a son of a bitch." You know, for <laughs> doing the shit. It's great dialogue, and he says, "I know we both believe the same thing." No matter how dirty the business, how dirty the business. do it well. <laughs> yes. and, and that's when we get the first hint of the massive sexual bot-on-bot chemistry between Maeve and Hector. It, mm. it, that's to, to come in uh, the Mariposa shootout. And it's like, I thought, the first episode, I thought it was funny. And I thought it was kind of kinky, but I didn't get it. I didn't see the rest of it coming because by the time we get to um, uh, episode four where I think it's the, I think it's episode four where Maeve gets uh, Hector to dig out the bullet mm-hmm. that we really cool. start to see uh, what the hell is going on. This moment you sort of go, well, I hope we see more of them later because yeah. they're fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which they are. Yes. And you have this moment of like of watching them. So I, <laughs> um, I have a big gap here because I said, "Oops, I quit taking notes because I get caught up." <laughs> so <laughs> I just quit typing and was watching TV, <sighs> and uh, it was and but that scene, like the two of them together, that I really, I really, really enjoy that, and. uh there's a whole other conversation to have about that at some point, but and um, and we will get to part of that when we cover episode two, yes. which is really Maeve's uh, episode. It's Williams and it's Maeve's oh, yes. episode. Yes, and there's a part here. Uh, we also this is our our introduction to Armistice. Yes, this moment, this this shootout, and uh, the last note I have is yeah, I still think the people are the worst. Look at her wriggle. Oh man. After someone shoots Armistice and then so she's laying on the ground and and they're like, "Oh ha ha, this is and I, I yeah, I was sort of ter- I was sort of uh, unhappy about that." Um cuz I'm like, "Yeah, it's the people that are the problem with this park, it's not the robots." But yeah, watching uh watching Maeve in the first place. Um I have a hard time taking notes when I'm watching her because I'm so interested in what she's doing. And it's just the way Tandy Newton moves. Yes, cuz she's astounding. And so it her and then her and Hector together um, watching them is just so fun. I just couldn't uh, like my next note is the part that we were building up to earlier, which is that performance was amazing. Lewis Hertham is exceptional. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And as much as you enjoy this, you get to the, uh, you know, uh, when Bernard says we we have, you know, hosts that, you know, we've rolled. He's telling to us that we rolled them all back. We found one that's a real problem. And they sort of lead you on making you think that's Dolores by mm-hmm. seeing her in the dark, but they move on immediately uh, to uh, Lewis Hertham quoting to uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, Shakespeare and uh, John Donne and uh, uh, trying to remember who else, but it, the line there's a couple of lines he he does, you know, when he grabs Ford, you don't know where you are, do you? 
you're in a prison of your own sins. Oh, of your own sins. And really, this is Ford's whole dilemma. And mm-hmm. he essentially repeats that theme at the end of episode 10. Remember when they're down in the basement of the church and he talks about Oppenheimer and the measure of a man in time, what it takes to correct his mistakes. I know you Mm -hmm. just watched episode 10 before we started recording. (laughs) Yes. So, but this is like, this is like flip sides of that same conversation. Yes. And what's so interesting is it to me, having been through it, you know, when you come back around to it, not when you're watching it the first time through, but when you're watching it, now that you know where we end up and you go back to where we started, you have this moment of um, of watching him where what you are seeing Ford do is react to his own thoughts coming out of Abernathy's head. Yes. Like, that's what's happening. And you don't know that the first time through. The first time through, this just seems like a weird adversarial situation. It's not another bicameral moment where yeah. you've got Ford feeling bad about it on one side and then like the other half of his brain is staring him down and baring his teeth. And but, but you know it's, it's a it's just, a testament to the filmmakers and to Anthony Hopkins because he didn't really know when they performed this the pilot. None of them did. Yeah. What the hell's coming yeah, down the knew line? Where this was going. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there were only two people who knew. And neither one of them are acting. Yeah, neither one of them are acting. And so that's what's amazing uh, to me about this show. And all of the actors have have said this, you know, what do you think when you get all the scripts? And they're like, we don't get all the scripts. (laughs) Yeah. It's like watching the show every week. You know, we've got like, you know, a couple of months lead time, but we're getting it every week like you do. And mm-hmm. so uh, that to me is that you can you can plot something that tight and mm-hmm. make those little meaningful things happen mm-hmm. that far ahead of time. That goes back to the whole chess and checkers line of mine. I mean, exactly. And holy that's- crap that's where we are and they're and you know they're helping to direct like what i need out of you in this scene is what you're telling me here or you know whatever and so we get that and then we get um the next bit which is uh we get the the same conversation from the beginning of the episode yeah and this is uh, this is the time yeah evan rachel wood to be creepy because she's yes. doing her whole happy thing, sitting there naked, partially covered with blood. And mm-hmm. if there's, and by the way, the nudity in here, I'd like to comment on this again. We talked about this when we first covered the series. There, mm-hmm. there is nothing HBO-ish about the nudity in this series <laughs> until maybe we get to episode five, Contrapasso, and they're intentionally doing it there for. Uh, the scene right. in Pariah, but, but all the scenes by and large, yeah, it's not. This is not titillation. It's not sexy time. It's nothing like that at all. No, no. In fact, it's like, oh my god, I feel so awkward. Yes. So then we get this moment with Dolores where uh, they're having, she's having the rest of that conversation, 
uh, with our friendly neighborhood Hemsworth, uh, Stubbs. And uh, she gets to the end and is like, you know, oh, heavens no, I could never hurt another living thing. And then we cut to her killing the fly on her neck that we talked about well, earlier. Before that, we see Bernard, March, uh, Walter, and Abernethy. Oh, it is Walter. Yeah, yes. Walter and Abernethy into uh, sub-level cold 80s. Storage. Cold storage. And that's where the the depersonalization, the cruelty, it also hit, it just hits home. It's like, you know, you, you know, with the conversation many, many, many. with Abernathy, he's self-aware, right? When he's having that conversation with Ford, he mm. knows he doesn't know everything, but it's like, oh my God, they just gave, uh, and by the way, uh, Lutz and, um, Felix, because Felix has the line. Yes. Turn your head up, uh, uh, please, Peter. Yes. They're actually in episode one. I'd forgot they're in episode one. You watch him give the guy <laughs> uh, a lobotomy, and it's like, and you're thinking, no, you want to scream at the TV. No, these are people too. What are you doing? Oh, I totally did scream at the TV. What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. So, yes. and, so, and that's where you that realize it's go- turning uh, turning things on uh, on their head. And yep. This is you're going to feel sympathy for the host because certainly mm-hmm. with Michael Crichton's uh, original film Westworld, you don't mm-hmm. really have sympathy for the robots. That's no. not really an element to that. <laughs> that's, that's not what happens. Um, but then we also get uh, the moment where uh, they sort of turn into livestock, you know, because they've been calling them livestock during the during the show. Um, they call them hosts, they call them livestock, bodies, like never is it like personalizing, humanizing in any way. So you get this, these moments and then uh, they walk them down. They're not dressed again with the nudity. Um, they walk Peter Abernathy and Walter down to cold storage, uh, walk them into place and set them there. And Bernard sort of has to, has this, this moment of standing there with him and having to like, you know, retire him, put him away, pull him out of circulation. And, and then they walk away and they come back. And then that's when we get the, the conversation at the very end. Cause the very, very last thing that you see, which is the thing I want to talk about. The last thing that you see is you, uh, is Dolores kills the fly. As you hear her say, she would never hurt another living thing. Yep. And then the last thing that you hear is a song called ain't no grave by Johnny cash, Yep. which was released after he died. On this album, that uh, it's like I think it's the last of the American series. It's American that he did Four, with isn't it? I uh, know it's like six. Oh, American Six. Okay. Yeah, and um, and the thing about it that that chilled me, uh, you know, coming back to it again, um, I hadn't I hadn't thought about it, and I had like gotten up to get a glass of water or something, and I'd let the the credits continue to play because I'm like, oh, I'll just play the credits and then I'll come back, right? So as I'm walking away to go get water or whatever I'm doing, I hear uh, I hear Johnny Cash. I'm like, oh, I had forgotten there's Johnny Cash at the end of this, and I sort of and I sort of stopped a minute to listen, and uh, what you hear him say is, I see a band of angels and they're coming after me. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. And like, I just finished watching the end of the series, and so 
seeing the band of angels coming after me. Like, I don't know how they managed to go back and convince Rick Rubin that he needed Johnny Cash to record <laughs> this song from the night, this like spiritual song from like the 1930s or something. I looked it up a while ago and, um, it's a song from the early, the early 20th century. And, uh, like when, I see I can't even talk about it I've turned into the sheriff uh, it's uh, like to hear him like the, so the first line is there ain't no grave can hold my body down and then he says uh, look way down the river what do you think I see I see a band of angels and they're coming after me and then when you think of the end of the ep- the end of episode 10 when you see the man in black is shot in the arm there's a band of angels and they're coming after me Yep. Because at this point, we're pretty convinced that the robots are the good guys. And I just was like, that's that's a moment from the end of this that I just can't get over. And I don't know. Again, I don't know how they managed it. I don't know how somebody stumbled across this song and went, this is the thing that we need. Um, But I'm so glad that they did. And like every moment at the end of this, like the music is like another character in this show. And that's one that's really important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was the second viewing before i noticed uh black hole sun playing on the <laughs> the player piano um it just that it was, was subliminal and it was like oh <laughs> fuck and you know it was it was that second viewing of the first episode i was paying attention to the music in the show from that moment on yeah. uh <laughs> i was like i had to go back and rewatch. um you know what's so funny is i watched uh, episode one and episode two, this, uh, I'm not sure if it's the same day or the same night, but I actually, before I got to episode two, I had to go back and rewatch episode one. I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> yes. Watch episode one. Then I went to episode two and I go, what the fuck just happened? And then I watched them both again and see, cause those were the only two episodes available. And I was like, right. You know, I had them on repeat for a while. Like, my god you know what a, but the yeah. music it, it's uh uh the music is a character in this show and it's not Absolutely. just the new music by uh raman jawadi and his wonderful theme it's all the other music in there uh, uh i know well and it's so subtle in places oh, like yeah. i mean so subtle but so obvious like this Johnny Cash song and like exit music from a film, which literally starts wake from your sleep. Yeah. Like you have these moments and then the stuff and see the, the the reason it struck me is because my reflex is name that tune. If there's music playing, I need to know what it is. I need to figure it out. That was like the first thing I discovered with my phone was that app uh, that lets that that lets you make yeah. your phone look that up. Apple just that bought, song. didn't they? Uh, yeah, they bought it. Uh, they bought Soundhound. This was a different one at, at the time when I like very first got like my iPhone 3G or whatever, and I was like, and that was like the thing that I would show off to people. Like, do you want to know why this thing is awesome? Because it will tell you who sings that song if I don't know. And that was. <laughs> but people said to you, Kelly. But you always know. <laughs> most of the time yes and um like a lot more than i have any right to to be completely honest so um sorry that's always my i'm having a tickle me elmo moment here because (laughs) because the the music thing with kelly just uh, people in the show know on the side she is just a well of trivia 
like you <laughs> would not believe about this kind of thing. So it's like, it's so, like, like you're the last person who needs that goddamn app, Kelly. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the thing. So uh, I sort of liked it because I like to test, you know, sort of. But I also liked because it would it would keep a record of what that song was. So I Ooh, could go like find yeah, it right, later. Right, right. So I do like that. But but, um, but that app is like working overtime on this show. I'll tell you that much. Yes. So the thing that I loved about it was um, like when I first hear the player piano, when we first hear the player piano, it's playing like the Mariposa theme. So I listened to it and I'm like, what song is that? I don't know that song. And then we moved on and then we hear it again. And I'm like, that's the song from before. It does. Oh, it's just the same thing every day. It's on a loop. Didn't occur to me to apply that to the hosts at that point. But I'm like, oh, it's just same day same music like i know places that are like that it's not a big deal so i didn't think too much about it and then later we hear black hole sun and i'm like (laughs) and i wondered what was going on and like why am i hearing a player piano play Soundgarden? and you know immediately start like flipping through the lyrics in my head and uh it was and so then I'm like, well, isn't that interesting? And then at the end of the episode, when we get Armistice and we have the shootout, I think it's at the end of episode one. It's painted we black. We get painted black. Yeah. Yeah. By the Vitamin C Orchestra. And which is also a very, like, it's an amazing rendition. Their stuff is super great. If you don't know them, it's the Vitamin C Orchestra. They're uh, super fantastic. They really and know all how to cover the like Rolling that. Stones. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they have a lot, they have a number of albums and they're all like that. They're all these really nice orchestral versions of songs that you would never think of being orchestral. And they're super great. So I loved that. And then we get, you know, the Johnny Cash song at the end of this episode and we get uh, the cure on the player piano later, and we get um, Radiohead on the player piano later, and lots of Radiohead. Uh, yeah, we get Radiohead twice, um, and so uh, it's like hearing my iPod on the player piano is very weird. Well, um, you know, I I, <laughs> I heard somebody uh, comment on this about the particular tunes that they're they were choosing for the show, and they said. In a way, it kind of makes sense because think about the time frame when the show has to be happening. They they give a couple of hints. It's, you know, sort of mid-21st century. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. So when you think about that and when the park started or opened about that time frame and you think about Ford and Arnold, think about Mm -hmm. when they were kids and the music they would have had to been listening to. Mm-hmm. Bingo. That would have been yeah, bingo. Our currentish stuff, right? These, these sorts of things. So, um, but like for me, it's always fun to figure out. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to most in season two. Is what have they loaded the player piano with this time? Um, well, they loaded it with blood. If you watch the trailer, <laughs> that's true. Which is disturbing as hell. When the first roll goes past, it's like ah, God. Oh yes, that's super. That is super alarming. Uh, but I think, like you, this is probably, I don't know if it's my favorite, but as an establishing hour of television, I feel like it's exceptional. Um, it, it, it's it, it, a lot of story in a little bit of time. They do a very good job of exposing pieces of the plot to you and doing the world building that they need to do to keep people interested. But they manage to do all of that without let's screech to a halt and have two people have a conversation and then move back to the people that are shooting each other. What it reminded me of was uh, actually um, Winter is Coming, the first episode of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where they introduced all the significant players, you know, that mm-hmm. we're utilizing now with, you know, season eight of Game of Thrones coming up. Uh, and they did the world building and they did the hooks. You know, mm-hmm. we get introduced in Winter is Coming. We get introduced to the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we, you know, we get introduced to the wall uh, sort of indirectly. Um, yeah. All these things, all the big characters, the, you know, uh, and so it kind of had that vibe, that depth, right? Mm-hmm. That complexity. And you know it's, um, you know it's going to be a good ride. Uh, You've stepped into a world, and it's clear from the get-go that this world existed and functioned and did a whole lot of stuff and has all this history that you know nothing about because it's obvious you've come in on the middle. Everything's established. Everything's been there a while. Everything, you know, what it is, what it shall be, what it was, like you've got all of this and you're just sort of walking in to a story at a point that is not the beginning and it's not the end. And that's the thing about this. I think that really strikes me is how established everything is from, from the moment the, the screen comes up and we start and we start hearing that conversation. So what I want to see in the second episode or rather the second season is I want him to like take this sort of this complexity world building and put it on steroids, uh, put it on steroids. I want more, you know, the people want more, but I also yes. want them to make some hard left and right turns. I, oh, I sure. want him to like, uh, surprise me. Um, and, the the hints are at least from the cast that we are going to get, we uh, we are going to get our minds blown uh, mm-hmm. a few times. So I'm really looking forward to April that way. So yes, I we, really hope it is April. So we are we are over our time limit, boss. Yeah, I know. We're gonna do. <laughs> there will be some light editing for everybody that's listening. I do want to let you know, uh, Don. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter box. Uh, at Don Melton, uh, or on GitHub where I hang out supporting my stuff, <laughs> or you can read older things I've written at donmelton.com. And you can find me on the Tweety Box as Verso, and you can occasionally hear me on uh, other stuff here scattered around the incomparable. And oh, this woman's all over the place, you, you hear her everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can all uh, mostly you can find me, uh, well, mostly you can actually find me now on micro.blog, which is where I hang out uh, primarily these days. I am occasionally on Twitter, um, pr- uh, primarily if, if somebody wants to talk to me about a thing or, uh, you know, feel free to at and I'll uh, totally talk to you. We've done some theory swapping and stuff on, on Twitter previously. I would like to move that to micro.blog because I really like it over there. In the meantime, uh, you can absolutely... Uh, you can find Don and I uh, here, there, and everywhere. And until then, you can also find us. At, well, you'll be able to find us on the next episode where we dive into Chestnut Westworld's second episode of the first season. Yes. Now that we've turned everything inside out, where do we go from there? And boy, did they do it to us in Chestnut. But we'll go over that. 
<laughs> Boy, howdy. So uh, with that, I'm signing off from the Uncanny Valley. Say goodnight, Don. Good night, Don. And until then, be excellent to each other.